Hey guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Wild True Talk. How are you guys doing? So, in today's episode, we are going to discuss a pretty unique and hard, I would say, topic. Because this branch of science, the computer science, involves quantum physics, involves a lot of thinking and a lot of very, very complicated concepts. But... I decided to get on with it anyways. Also, recent news uh, came out saying that IBM has successfully gone live with its first supercomputer based on quantum technology outside of the United States territory. Uh, This computer is located in Germany and it has gone live on Wednesday, June the 16th. So, Today we're going to be talking about quantum computing, which is, to my knowledge, I would probably say this is the future of computing. Why? Because it's much, much more powerful than traditional binary standard computing. And today I will try to explain what is quantum computing, how it's used, and For example, how many quantum computers are available around? So quantum computing is a branch of supercomputers. Uh, Supercomputers are those computers which are very large in size. um, And they were used, uh, well, they're still used. I mean, supercomputers are still available at the moment to do a bunch of different kinds of very complicated calculations that that can range into a lot of things. Um, statistical uh, forecasting, financial forecasting, weather forecasting, uh, drug development, and also, yeah, many, many um, quantum computers are are located in state departments, uh, universities, just to help further researching certain topics. But let's start, like, let's take supercomputers aside for a second. And let's discuss about the basics of a computer because quantum computing defies the concepts of a basic computer. We're gonna that we're gonna get into it in a bit. Let's just start at the very, very, very basic of what a computer is. And I'm not talking about you know like operating systems and um, what we're doing with computers, but just the 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 the, the core of what's a computer and it's at its foundation it's really really basics so in in lamest terms and in the basics way i can basic way i can put it sorry a computer converts the electromagnetic impulses of its processor and memory in itself to digitally storable bits think of it as the reverse to a dac a dac is a digital uh, to analog converter which is mostly used in audio to convert the ones and zeros that music, music streaming services, for example, provide into a more into a waveform, like a analog waveform, and that will well, DACs are used to give a more high-end feel to um, to music, and uh, they are very powerful and they require quite some power to be driven. But we're not talking about DACs today. We're talking about the opposite of what a DAC is. So the electromagnetic impulses are analog waves that a computer can convert into 
digital storable bit. A bit is a binary unit of uh, is a binary unit of storage, and it's the most basic binary unit of storage. And why is that? Because it's why do I say binary? Because it only has two states. Either a bit is on, so it's displayed as a one, or it's off, displayed as a zero. Why am I talking about the basics of computer? Because quantum computing messes with the basics of a typical binary computer. But we need to get into what is a quantum, um, which is a thing that I, it's a concept that I've never grasped up until today, <laughs> up until I started researching for this episode. So a quantum in physics, but we're talking about physics anyway, a quantum is the minimum amount of any physical entity involved in an interaction. It can be energy, it can be matter, so the, the smallest amount of a uh, of um, of an atom, like a subatomical particles, those are quantums. And why are we talking about quantums? Because quantum computing actually involves quantums. And in a nutshell, that's the gist of today's episode, quantum computers perform calculations not based on binary units, but based on the probability of an object's state before it is measured. State include in, in terms of physical state. So instead of ones and zeros, they use this probability of an object. So in this case, subatomical particles, so quantum states, which means that these computers have the potential to process exponentially more data compared to classical computers. That's the main reason why quantum computers were built, because they can process much more data much faster than a traditional binary computer. And quantum computers, instead of using bits, so the typical basic storage unit of a computer, so our ones and zeros, they use what are known as qubits quantum bits, it's portmanteau. So that's the basic unit of a quantum computer. And the main advantage of quantum bits or qubits are the quantum properties that come up, that come with quantum bits, the, 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 pro, the physical properties that you have in a quantum. So they can use, for example, the biggest advantage of a quantum computer is the use of a physical property called quantum property, sorry, called superpositioning. So a quantum bit can be a one and a zero at the same time. It creates this sort of superpositioning state where it can be both on and off. And that's used in conjunction um, with, that's used for, cal for probability-based calculations. So that means that a quantum computer can do can be into set into instead of two states it can be set probably into four states. So a minus one, which means that it's completely off, a one, which is one and zero in, in quantum computers in, do not exist because that state is basically the same state. So minus one means off, one and zero means that they are in the same position. So they are in the there are ones and zeros at the same time, so zero is the same thing as a one, and plus one means that it's a one in terms of binary. It's a bit weird to understand. Um, it's a bit complicated to explain because I'm no I'm no quantum physicist, and quantum physics, despite the fact that I'm interested in, I would probably say different types of physics. 
most notably I'm interested in nuclear physics but that's a an all a whole other topic to discuss so yeah the main unit of uh, a quantum computer can be can store data in four different ways and in two of these ways it's basically the same way at the same time uh, which is completely out of logic for many people but that allows for a exponential um, an exponential amount of data to be calculated you can calculate a lot more data and a lot faster than um, classical computers but it's like it's not that quantum computing came out of nowhere you know uh, back in the day there were some theories of course before you start to um, mess about with these kind of things you have to have some solid theory behind it in order to keep it logical in a sense so the 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 theory of quantum computing started in 1980 uh, where when a physicist called Paul Beninoff proposed a mechanical a quantum mechanical model of the Turing machine which is sort of the forefather of the modern computer in very simple terms I'm not gonna get into what a Turing machine is so there's that and he basically uh, proposed the use of quantum mechanics to uh, store data and to calculate data which is a thing that at the moment is still in its early stages it's it, it this technology is at its infancy but still it can do it can achieve great things fast forward to 1998 and a collaboration and joint effort from the uh, MIT uh, the University uh, of California at Berkeley, so UCLA, and the Los Alamos National Laboratory created the first quantum computer using two qubits. And uh, what what's the main... This was the first quantum computer that could be loaded with data and it could output a solution, so it was a proper functioning, fully functioning computer. And uh, nowadays, well, we're getting into the 50 qubit territory. So the growth in power of a quantum computer was exponential, especially thanks to the research that IBM put into quantum computing, which is part of their new business model. It's a part of their new mission towards a better world in computing. So what, what nowadays, well, there are about 18, 18 quantum computers uh, used, especially by IBM. Uh, other data are not available, and I would probably guess that there are more than 18 quantum computers available in the world, uh, most likely in uh, use for defense and uh, security, uh, also for um, doing scientific research because quantum computing is very very available very very capable of doing scientific research and it's very capable of doing uh, things like molecular folding at a much faster pace uh, and uh, in, speaking of molecular folding I remember that back in the day in 2007 when the PlayStation 3 launched 
uh, there was this application already preloaded on the on the system called Folding at Home, which was a uh, peer-to-peer basically molecular folding network. So you could load, you could run the program with this application, and it would basically uh, fold molecules to help IBM and uh, some I don't recall which scientific research laboratory to uh, work on. Um, I think it was neural molecules, like molecules that are um, how like molecules uh, affect the brain chemistry, something along those lines. Uh, but that's a whole other, that's a whole different story. And that's because of the different architecture that the PlayStation 3 used, but closing the uh, gaming tangent right here. So why are quantum computing a thing? Why, why, sorry, why are quantum computers a thing and what are they used for at the moment? Well, there are a few uses that have been, let's say, verified uh, for the like that involve quantum computing so we have first things first artificial intelligence and machine learning well thinking about like how a quantum computer works um machine learning would be much faster using a quantum computer because you can process data much much faster and uh you can learn you can use like you can help an artificial intelligence to learn in a much quicker pace uh, then we have computational chemistry, which I don't really know what it is. Probably molecular folding, uh, in uh, in a certain way. Of course, drug design and development, because you really need to uh, be very specific with the um, basic chemistry of a drug to make it effective. We also have cybersecurity and cryptography. I would never imagine if a quantum computer can fall in the wrong hands. Uh, and uh, you can load a program to, I don't know, let's say brute force passwords and quantum computers can do it much, much faster than an average computer. So I would be very scared if quantum computers could become commercially viable and can fall into the hands of the wrong people, blackout hackers, criminals, whatever. So they can use quantum computing to do some pretty large scale damage, I could tell that. But it's also used to encrypt things, to um, help with different kinds of encryption, different kinds of cryptography. And I wouldn't be surprised that uh, quantum computers will find their way through to the cryptocurrency world and the blockchain. I mean, it can be a th- it can become a thing in the future, of course. Well, nowadays quantum computers are very big uh, in terms of like in sheer size, so. And uh, their main issue, we're getting, we're going to that in a few moments. Let me just go through the uses of a uh, quantum computer, all the uses of quantum computer for now. Well, financial modeling as well is another usage that quantum computing has been used for. And it's, well, pretty boring financial modeling. It's like prediction of the markets and things like that. Logistics optimization, which is a weird one, uh, in my opinion. And of course, weather forecasting. Probably this is the first, um, the, the main use at the moment for uh, quote unquote privately owned quantum computers uh, or quantum computers that have been loaned from uh, IBM to other companies. 
uh, they, they do weather forecasting, and uh, I think that they're pretty good at it, um, for, from what I know. So, there's that. And at the moment, the main issue of a quantum computer, it's first, it's size, because quantum computers nowadays can still occupy a pretty big room, and the second main issue is cooling. Quantum computers are cooled with liquid nitrogen, because the temperatures that they run at uh to you know to get into to get those qubits into super positioning it's very it's very 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 hot so they need instead of like typical like classical computers can use air in certain cases can use water in this case you need to use liquid nitrogen which is not cheap to find and uh of course i wouldn't want a a room in my home only for a quantum computer to do what for now, it's a um, it's a large scope uh, technology. It's uh, still at its infancy, I would say. But I wouldn't be surprised that in forty to fifty years we will start to see the first, I would say, commercially viable quantum computers. At least computers that use quantum quantum qubits technology, like quantum technology. So, I wouldn't be surprised, and um, that will be a major shift into computing in general uh, when that will be that will become viable. So there is that, and as I said, at the moment we don't know how many quantum computers are available, but we only know that IBM has eighteen computers using quantum mechanics in its supercomputer fleet, which is pretty big. Like. IBM, of course, uh, has a pretty big supercomputer fleet that uh, they do a lot of things, mostly in regards to AI and machine learning, neural networks, and things like that, which is their, which is nowadays their main focus at the moment. So I'll probably get deeper into quantum computing uh, in a f- later on because um, it will be pretty interesting to understand. Uh, how how like they really work and uh, what what they can do and what what the potential would be and things like that. So for this episode, that is going to be it. It's a pretty short one, but I would probably say that better that better like that than you know to keep them going on and on and on and on about something that I'm not really sure of. So thank you for listening. As always, you will find all the links in the description box below. So we will, I will hear from you and you will hear from me in two Fridays as usual. And until then, as always, have a good one. Stay safe. I'll talk to you in two Fridays.